Welcome to Keep Them Coming with Open the Doors Coaching. I'm your host, Kristen Thomas. I'm a relationship, dating, and sex coach based in Kansas City, and I just love to talk to people about what goes on in their sex lives and relationships. I also enjoy a good conversation about love, activism, or making change in the world. Be warned, you should probably be 18 and over, and probably also listening on your headphones. Thanks for tuning in. Happy World Sexual Health Day. Two things you probably didn't know before listening to this episode. One, that there's a World Sexual Health Day. And two, that there's such a thing as pelvic PT. I talked to Kelsey Beach, DPT of Foundational Concepts, about why people need to think about their pelvic floor health. She explained what pelvic floor therapy is all about. Take note, this conversation is not just for women. Men have pain in their genitals too that can be solved by seeing someone like a pelvic floor therapist. Kelsey even taught me how to do kingles correctly and believe me when I say that you're not going to look at blueberries the same way after you listen to this episode. We talked about what our parents think of what we do. Hint, her mom was kind of shocked when she found out that sometimes she has to put her finger in someone's butt how a whole generation of women were done a disservice by having unnecessary hysterectomies, her work with male-to-female trans patients, and how we're both owning what we do respectively for people's sexual health. Enjoy the show. My guest today is somebody that I met, again, through the Gay and Lesbian Chamber because I do a lot of stuff with them. But this was actually at the Transgender Day of Visibility. Mm-hmm. But we'd already heard about each other, yes. um, just some some different connections. And so, like, you two should meet mm-hmm. because of what we both do. Mm-hmm. But today, I am joined by Kelsey Beach. Hello. Thank you for having me today. I'm so glad you're here. Me too. So Kelsey is a pelvic floor therapist, Mm -hmm. which I have talked about pelvic floor therapy Mm -hmm. before on my show, Mm -hmm. but I wanted to have someone on who's actually out there doing the things to explain to everybody, you know, what it's all about, why you should do it. And I mean, we we might talk a little bit about sex and relationships while we're at it too. Well, that's all part of pelvic PT. I mean, we can't not have pelvic PT without sex and relationships. So we probably will talk about it. Yeah. So how long have you been a pelvic floor therapist? So I graduated PT school 2011 and kind of at that time in Missouri, there was not a lot of pelvic PTs in the KC area. And in PT school, I kind of started thinking about pelvic and was lucky enough to do my last clinical out in Orlando, Florida, full pelvic health rehab clinic. So finished up last clinical there and decided right out of PT school, I was going to go into specialty. That at that time, that wasn't a common thing for a lot of pelvic PTs to do. A lot of pelvic PTs would go into ortho or acute or other realms of PT and then kind of start inching their way into it. So mm-hmm. I've been out of PT school for eight and a half years and I've been doing pelvic for eight and a half years now. Wow. Mm-hmm. What really drew you to that? I don't have the best answer for this. I think when I first started PT school, my whole idea was move back to KC, work with the sports teams. I loved all the outpatient ortho sports medicine Mm -hmm. before I started PT school. Ah. Started Mm -hmm. PT school, started learning about ortho, and I was just not entertained with it one bit. It wasn't wasn't the realm of PT I really wanted to go in. Then I first started learning about pregnancy and physical therapy, and that immediately struck this kind of chord in my system of thinking, oh, that's different. Mm -hmm. That's not a commonality. 
reproduction had always really entertained me and I thought let me kind of start doing my own projects Mm -hmm. and research in this so I started mind you I went to a a very small Baptist private college Uh where no one talked about genitals no one talked about pregnancy like very kind of hush hush naive about it so I started doing all my projects in pregnancy got lucky and I actually started teaching a class at the hospital in Bolivar Missouri um two pregnant women about pregnancy and I was just amazed how no one had heard of their pelvic floor. Mm-hmm. Women who are, you know, had their second or third babies or on their first pregnancy. I said, do you know where your pelvic floor is? And they just say no. And that really opened my eyes to, wow, we need this. Mm-hmm. So pregnancy kind of then led into urinary incontinence, which then kind of leads into the pain. And that's kind of the general progression of PT for mm-hmm. pelvic. And then I just decided, okay, I want to go do a full pelvic rehab clinical and... I was the first one from my school to do so. My school had no idea what to do with me. It was <laughs> it was really kind of fun to watch them just be excited, but also slightly terrified. Uh-huh. <laughs> and um, got a clinical set up, and I was the first one from my school to do it, and then the first one in the Florida hospital system to do a pelvic clinical. Wow. Um, and then after I got into it, it just it was my vibe. I'm with pelvic PT. It's different than ortho PT in that it's private one on one sessions, forty five minutes up to an hour. We're in a dark, well, not necessarily dark. That makes it sound weird, but like kind of <laughs> not fluorescent lighting, uh-huh. gym type scenario. It's it's a lot more of just kind of like we're doing now. You're having a conversation with your clinician, really getting to the ins and outs of a lot of personal stuff that goes on in pelvic. Mm-hmm. And once I learned that, I just thought, this is what I want to do. And I've just never looked back. And I got really lucky also that I was able to have a lot of empathy for mm-hmm. patients. Being a pelvic pain, chronic pain patient myself, yeah. I had that ability to empathize empathize with patients when they just feel completely crazy because mm-hmm. no one can figure out their symptoms. Yeah, Doctors never know what to do with them, and it just starts this really negative cascade. So I can sit down with the patient and be like, I get it, I understand, yeah. and your pain makes sense to me. And So long story, still kind of long. That's how I got into pelvic, and that's kind of why I've always stayed in it. Yeah, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. We, we need people like you out there helping mm-hmm. men and women. I mean, mm-hmm. it's for both. You're, you're talking a lot about pregnancy and stuff, but there's definitely men that benefit from it too. But we will 100%. focus a little bit more on, on the ladies yeah. today. Mm-hmm. Okay, so like with pain. Mm-hmm. So there's there's some conditions out there that definitely need a pelvic floor therapist. You talk yes. about pain. Yeah. Um, you know, things like vaginismus, vulvodynia, and things yeah. like that, which more and more people are becoming familiar with. Mm-hmm. So can you help the audience understand a little bit more about those conditions? 100%. So... In the general, and I'm just going to kind of skin the surface, like in the general pelvic PT pain world, we think of a few different things. We think of primary, secondary vaginismus, dyspareunia, vulvodynia, vestibulitis. Those are kind of the main ones that commonly get thrown around. You can definitely delve deeper into all those, but those are going to be kind of the quick off the cuff, like off the cuffs, like diagnoses Mm -hmm. and Kind of the two, vaginismus and dyspareunia are going to be more the penetrative disorders. So mm-hmm. when we hear vaginismus, our first thought is you have a normal, fairly healthy vaginal vault pelvic floor system, but if you're penetrated or touched in a certain area of that, the body goes into a spasm. Mm-hmm. So that kind of comes with a different other diagnoses and can be stemming from other things as well. Then we have dyspareunia, which is going to be 
that vaginal vault is a little bit more hypertonic, meaning the muscles are kind of at rest in a shortened position and you're trying to get in through a closed ah, gate. Mm-hmm. Okay. So those are the two that we really like to distinguish between patients because a lot of patients come in, they're like, oh, I have vaginismus, but I can't tolerate any insertion, whether it's GYN exams, tampon use, vaginal penetration with intercourse. And so we really like to educate about why each diagnosis is affecting muscles differently. Then you also have vulvodynia, which to every pelvic PT I think is still a mystery because it encompasses such a large kind of cascade of other symptoms. Mm -hmm. My kind of first thought with vulvodynia is what's your tissue look like? And we really are almost stepping away from that muscle and thinking, what's that vulvar tissue looking like compared to that vagina muscle structure? And then vestibulitis is another similar to vulvodynium. We're thinking a lot more tissue. So Mm -hmm. kind of as pelvic PTs with our pain, we're thinking what's going on in that tissue layer, which is then followed by what's going on with that muscle layer. Mm -hmm. And the way I always describe it is, imagine I was going to take your arm do an Indian rug burn on it, you know, Mm -hmm. rub, 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 rub. That skin's going to be really irritated, but then the muscles behind it are going to protect it and guard it and say, ooh, we don't like this. Let's kind of send some pain receptors, some pain signals down to say, we need to tense and tighten up Mm. for this. Mm -hmm. So even if it's a patient coming in with vulvodynia, vestibulitis, any other skin issue, we're always also thinking, how's that muscle protecting Mm -hmm. you? Gotcha. Mm -hmm. And what about with men? What are some of the, oh, the things men. that they go through with pain that might require men, seeing a pelvic it's, floor? It's always so funny when I have a men come in clinic. There's, it's, it's a very, the problem with men pelvic pain is it's very shameful. Mm-hmm. Men, when every time we think pelvic health, we always think women. Men have just the same, almost just as many problems pain-wise as women. Their muscle structure is almost 100% similar to ours. They just have different genitalia kind of either bisecting that musculature or changing some things. But their third layer, first layer, and even second layer is just a little bit different, but pretty similar to women's. Mm -hmm. So with men, we see a lot of rectal pain. We see testicular pain. Hmm. We see some that have kind of pain in the shaft, but not as much. But we have a lot of perineal pain. Mm -hmm. Or they'll just say, man, my right testicle just throbs. And unfortunately, their first idea is something must be wrong mm-hmm. and I, or I have an infection. Mm-hmm. And that goes same for women. And men um, kind of have to go down the same ugly, what I call like white rabbit of medicine mm-hmm. to get to someone that says, oh my gosh, this is your pelvic floor. Because mm-hmm. a lot of the men that we see come through with pain have been through urology testing, mm-hmm. colorectal testing. They've done five rounds of antibiotics because they're convinced it's their prostate. And men also just unfortunately go through sometimes worse things than women with pain, but we just don't typically think of it. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. I mean, I knew that there were conditions out there that men needed to see you for, but again, it's what we're talking about oftentimes, even within my industry for pelvic floor therapy is so female focused. Exactly. Kegels are, you know, marketed towards women. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then there's always kind of the side of like, well, men need it too. Yeah. But mm-hmm. Yeah. So speaking of Kegels, mm-hmm. again, sometimes I try to catch myself when I bring things up going like, not everybody knows what I'm talking about, but hopefully most of my listeners are pretty educated and know what Kegels are. Mm-hmm. But let us, tell us what Kegels are about. How, blah, blah, blah. Hang on. 
tell us what Kegels are all about and kind of how you how you do them. How do you teach people to do them properly is the big thing. That's, that is the best word, properly. So Kegels is just the fancy term for a pelvic floor contraction. So just like if you're going to contract your bicep, you bring your arm up, that muscle shortens. Kegels the same way. We contract that pelvic floor muscle and we should feel two motions. We should feel it closing and lifting. Okay. And one way that we kind of always describe that to patients is imagine you're picking up a blueberry with your vagina. It's one of the grossest things. Can that I try I've, that right now? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Because think about it. You have to hit. All right, everybody. We're going to do this together. Yep. So think. Close around the blueberry. Okay. And lift. Got it. Okay. Because the closing aspect of it's going to be our first layer of the pelvic floor, which consists of kind of a triangle on the superficial area of that vulvar space. Uh-huh. And then second, third layer is going to be more that lifting. So we like to think of it as that twofold contraction. And the main thing that when we teach Kegels, and I always tell patients, I'm like, just do one. Show me what you think it is. Mm-hmm. And you see their butt kick in. You see their legs. You see their tummy. They, We have they this huge ideology of like, mm-hmm. bringing everything in because we don't, because it's such a small muscle uh-huh. that we think, oh my gosh, let me c- contract all this other stuff to get it. But Kegels tried and true or just this really gentle close lift picking up that blueberry and then we also like like to emphasize putting the blueberry back (laughs) Back down down. because we don't want to hold that blueberry in there the whole time so even that what we deem a reverse kegel is actually just as as important and a lot of patients come in who have had pain men and women and they said my doctor told me to do 100 kegels a day yeah exactly and so then that aspect, then we really want to teach them how to do that reverse lengthening aspect where we're taking that blueberry, we're lowering it, and then we're opening to drop the blueberry. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So always just think of blueberries. It's just never going to be the same for people now. Never. We're changing blueberries. <laughs> Forever and mm-hmm. ever changing blueberries. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm going to do one thing here real quick. It's totally fine you're talking with your hands, but I'm going to put this underneath you. So that if you clicking. There we go. Try tapping now and see how. Oh yeah, much better. Okay, cool. Thank you. See that way. You. Just work around. It's a work around. <laughs> I'm not gonna try to make you change. Just work around. It, just right? work around yeah. it. I like it. That's how coaching works, right? Mm-hmm. Very I mean, true. Some change is needed, but <clears throat> excuse me. I think the allergies are kicking in. Today. They're horrible right now. They're horrible. I should have taken something today. Oh, I'm. D- I have oh, to. Just gives me that ASMR type <laughs> voice, though. Oh, I know. Which everyone's all into right now. I totally watched right some now. of those last night to help me sleep. I'm obsessed. <laughs> I watch tarot videos at night to fall asleep because I mean, I just put one on. It's like 30 minutes or so, and like halfway through, I'm like, okay, I'm done. And you're done. Mm-hmm. It's just because they're they're talking like this and like, and okay, so Capricorn, calm. you need to yeah. do this. You know, this oh. this Leo's coming into your life, and no, whatever. And then you pass out. Well, I do have a Leo in my life, but he needs to figure shit out. So <laughs> they all do. They all do for mm-hmm. real. Mm-hmm. So you're recently married. I am. Yes. Keeping, keeping the name for professional purposes, yes. right? Yeah. Yes. As of right now, that's our game plan. We uh-huh. don't know what that'll look like in the future. Uh-huh. So yeah, as of right now, Beach is here to stay. I love my last name. I've always loved it. And his just isn't as cool as mine. <laughs> and if he listens to that, he knows it. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like this is a conversation you've already had. There, we have. So. Yes, we have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that a... Uh, is it a, okay, well, we'll table this for now conversation okay. or is okay. it a, is it a, like, he really wants you to change it and you're just kind of like, no, babe, I need to like, it's definitely important to him to change it. Um, when we have kids mm-hmm. and right now it's not in our immediate future and changing your name also looks awful. I mean, there's websites out there that are, you paid to do it 
and they'll do it for you. And I think that's going to be the best investment I'm going to put towards this wedding is paying someone to change it because it looks horrible. I've done it four times because I've been married twice. Should I pay you to do it? <laughs> Hell, I would never, ever. I have a tattoo on my back of my name in a, in a different language. But, yeah. And of like a raven, which is often on the Thomas family coat of arms. Because after my second divorce, going back to Thomas, mm-hmm. I was like, I'm never changing my name ever again. I am Kristen Thomas always yeah. and forever. Yeah. Yeah, I even like showed my dad. I was like, look, dad, this is Thomas this right is here. Permanent now. Yeah. Permanent. And he was just kind of like, Okay. He actually really liked it, I think, because of the concept of it. So he doesn't really like tattoos, but my dad hates them. Oh, my mom hates them. Yeah. Yeah. My mom's gotten three with me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Ah. I don't know if my dad knows that. Get my mom to do that. Well, if he listens to the episode, if you promote it on social media, he might. (laughs) Okay. Here's the thing Does your dad even know how to listen to podcasts? A hundred percent no. Okay. See, then you're safe. And my mom, I think I tried to teach her the other day, and she just got too overwhelmed and even trying to find the app. So we're safe on the. uh, beach parent front yeah if i mm-hmm. send my dad a direct link he can sometimes figure it out but i don't the next even time i go could. to do it he's like uh, how do i do this again and click on it i know he doesn't understand the, the click on a concept anyway not enough ragging on my dad about that stuff so <laughs> so i don't know this theme has kind of come up a lot in conversations that uh-huh. i've had lately with especially women who mm-hmm. are who are in an industry that is so heavily focused on human sexuality and mm-hmm. things like that. So, like, one of the questions I get a lot is, well, what do your parents think of what you do? So, do your parents really understand what you do to oh help my gosh. people with pelvic floor health? My first few years, 100% no. And I lo- kind of lightly tell my mom, because also with pelvic PT, the, we're the one groups of physical therapists that can do internal vaginal and rectal assessment and manual work. And so I remember the first time I told my mom that, the look on her face was just, what? You t- you're not just giving people exercises? I was like, well, that's part of it, mom. And it is an exercise. I was yeah. like, but you know, if your shoulder hurts, don't you want someone to rub on it and work out like all those trigger points and not? She's like, yeah. I was like, I do that too for the pelvic floor. So it definitely took her a few years to really be at peace with what I do. My what if sister- you were a urologist or an OBGYN? That's the thing that always baffles me is urologists and OBGYNs, I feel like don't get as much kind of stark shock looks when you tell them what you do. But pelvic PT, people are like, why would you ever do that? That's disgusting. Are you just fingering people all day? Oh my God. And I'm like, do you say that to your friend that's a urologist or like a OBGYN? And they're uh-huh. like, no. So, um, and have some respect, right? Dang. Exactly. So, but I think just public PTs being so new, I mean, Obi Gynes, urologist, been around for years. Public PT is still fairly new. Mm-hmm. We've been around for probably a couple decades, mm-hmm. if not even to like three decades, but we're still really new in medicine. And mm-hmm. oh my gosh, my parents were terrified. I still don't think my dad wants to know. <laughs> and I think he's fine and very at peace with it. Um, when I met my husband, it was like our second date and he asked what I did. And I've always hated this conversation with dating. I do. I hate the, I hate the conversation too. What do you do? Why'd you get into that? How, yeah. Uh, yeah. And I remember we, we went out rock climbing and we were sitting down and he asked me that question. I thought, okay, I'm just going to be a hundred percent honest. Cause a lot of times I'll just tell people I'm a physical therapist mm-hmm. and they just immediately assume I'm in the gym ortho. And I remember I told him that and he just looked at me blanked face and said, I think this is the most interesting job someone's ever talked to me about. And I thought, yeah, one, winning this. And he's like, it's still weird. (laughs) 
but very interesting. So a lot of people are just always, I think their initial perception is just sticking fingers in people's buttholes all day. That's, or thumbs, like it's always thumb. I don't know why, but that's everyone's first assumption, which is a hundred percent not what we do, but that's just where they always go. Those people have been watching too much porn. A hundred percent. Is that what it's coming from? Yes. Okay. Now yeah. I know. Because <laughs> that's where my mind went. It's like all they're thinking is the visual of like they're having sex and they're, you know, that's and what that's, somebody's done to yeah. them. Because that's a really natural emotion rather than like this, like that's a finger true. or even a pinky. Like, yeah, I guess if, especially if you're like ergonomically. A, yep. Yep. Then you can kind of push Makes your the butt. most sense. Yeah. Okay. Now you know. Well, now I understand why. So now I'm not going <laughs> to think bad of them. I'm going to be like, now I know where that thought came from. Tell them that. Go like, you've been watching too much porn. <laughs> Just immediate shame them right there. Do the hand motion. You've been watching too much porn. Yep. This is not what I'm doing. <clears throat> not at all. Not at all. I'm going to use that yeah. next time. See, that's the thing I like to do to people. It's kind of ornery, but I'm kind of ornery. Yeah. Uh, is when they're when they are saying things to me that are a little um, extreme or just like way too much or just in my face about what I do. Like, for example... People have asked me like, oh, you're a sex coach. Does that mean you're good in bed at networking events? Really? Yes. Yes. That's bold. It is bold. I mean, I've had a few people ask me on social media. They'll send me a DM and my marketing guy has seen it and be like, oh, how do you want me to address this? I'm like, well, I get that question in person too. And the way I address it is like, I absolutely am, but that's not the point. My job is to make you great in bed. Exactly. I could see a lot of people having a lot more questions about your job than my job. Do you think people kind of clam up when you tell them? What, or do you kind of just stick with the like, oh, I'm a physical therapist? Or are you, are it, you owning You know, it that? actually took me a couple years to own it a little bit more. I think when I first came out of PT school, I mean, I'm 25. Everyone I'm hanging out with is 25. <laughs> Everyone's super immature. So I think in the very beginning, I was pretty shameful of it. Not even shameful, but just I didn't want to mess with all the bullshit of people pushing back, ridiculing, and just immediately going to the sexual space. Mm -hmm. I think it took me a few years to just, A, also develop the script of how I want to describe it. And I think it took years of me becoming a better clinician mm -hmm. to say, oh, I am really treating this, giving back, helping people instead of just like, oh, I just hope tight pelvic floors. Mm -hmm. I mean, I had no idea what I was doing when I came out as a new grad. No one does. And now kind of at this point in my career, I feel a lot more comfortable. I think also seeing it grow. I mean, mm -hmm. like I said, when I first started, when I first came out of PT school, maybe, I want to say 20 pelvic PTs in the city. Wow. Mm -hmm. Now there's probably about 60 of us. Nice. So Kansas City actually is a really high saturated pelvic PT city. Mm -hmm. And I think seeing it grow, seeing it blossom, seeing how providers are also interpreting us gave me a lot more confidence in what I was doing and saying, you know, this is what we're doing, how we're doing it, and mm -hmm. just the importance of it. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's an important thing I want to find out about because obviously it's not like you just wake up one day and realize, oh, I have an issue and I need a pelvic floor therapist. Mm -hmm. So how do clients find you? Is it, I mean, obviously it's a lot of referrals, mm -hmm. but yeah, I mean, how do people really come to actually see you? See us? So a couple different ways. So we have a, a clinic in Missouri and a clinic in Kansas. Kansas is way ahead of the game. Missouri is so kind of slow to pick up their feet on what's called direct access. So mm -hmm. direct access means you wake up one day and you're like, man, I'm having some discomfort and pain like vaginally or, you know, I just had a baby and I want to get my body back to normal. I want to go see a physical therapist. 
You can walk in off the street in Kansas without a doctor's referral. Go to one of our clinics. We can do a full assessment on you and treat you. Missouri, we're still a little bit behind in the fact that you have to go to your provider, get a referral, then come see us. So Missouri's, we're slowly working on it in the court system right now to get it changed. I don't know if this is 100% true, but I think we're one of three states left that don't have direct access. Oh, and it's like okay. Wyoming and Montana. Like, yeah. Why not just catch up with everybody exactly. else at this point? So, so that's kind of... That's the only thing that gets our legislature to do anything. It's ex- like, oh, we're the last five to do this? Okay. <laughs> Why are we so behind, guys? Um, but actually a big pushback from us is the chiropractors. Mm-hmm. So chiropractors have definitely kind of lobbied against direct access. Really? In the fear that we're going to steal their patients. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because in, in Missouri, you can go see a chiropractor without yeah. a referral. So it's just keeping anybody out of the game. It doesn't matter. If, it wouldn't really matter if you were pelvic floor therapist or some other kind of clinician providing something. So. It's just because they want to keep their pool big. I think so. Okay. And there's, I mean, their pool's <clears throat> still going to be great. I mean, there's a lot of people who still have a lot of trust in chiropractors and are doing great stuff and... But really just good share chiropractors, the exactly. Really good chiropractors will share the wealth. Exactly, they will realize that they need to be a part of a patient's yes. care plan, not the entire caregiver. And I think know. that's one thing that's really awesome about pelvic, um, is sharing. And it took me years to kind of realize, as a clinician, I can't help everyone. Mm-hmm. And then getting chiropractors on board if appropriate, getting sex therapists, getting sex coaches, getting mental health—that's when I really became a better clinician to say. I can't help you and everything. Let's open this door to this other provider who can help. And mm-hmm. we just need chiropractors to get on board with that. Help share the wealth and take team approach to patients. Well, if I've got any chiropractors listening who are open and want to meet Kelsey, how do they find you? So you can find us on our website, um, foundationalconcepts.net, I think. Um, we have our website. We're on social media. We're I know we're definitely on Instagram. It's Pelvic Chronicles. That's our handle. Facebook, I think we are on. I just don't know how active um, that site is. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the method, uh, internet-wise. Mm-hmm. And we always tell people, come hang out with us for a day. Since we are this group that is kind of mystified and not everyone understands, we tell everyone, come hang out. Come meet us. Come greet us. If you're another provider, you're a chiropractor, you're a mental health provider, anyone, come sit in on treatments with us. Learn what we're doing. And then get an idea and then tell us what you do because if there's one thing we like it's networking Mm -hmm. because we can't save the world one vagina at a time we need everyone else on board to help us yes Mm -hmm. takes a village to save those vaginas (laughs) it really does yes well and perineums and And perineums and scrotums and rectums and everything (laughs) else yeah a hundred percent so you know you mentioned that Part of what helped you become a better clinician, obviously, was was time and just some perspective on mm-hmm. what you do. So what are some of your favorite success stories that you could maybe, you know, kind of anonymously, mm-hmm. but what are, what are some stories you can kind of share that might help people kind of relate more, especially for a male case? Yeah. I mean, you know, talking about pregnancy, maybe something along, along those lines too. Yeah. My best friend just had her baby two days ago. Oh my gosh, so that's exciting. She delivered vaginally in 15 minutes. <clears throat> that girl does some kegels. Was this her first? Third. She's a pro. Yeah. Pro. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, so so if you she my... would appreciate a show that a little bit on the show that'll help her recover. A hundred percent. And you know what's really been neat is my caseload this week, I think I've seen four six to eight week postpartum women 
coming in and saying, I just want to feel normal again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she I, said she felt like her insides fell out. Exactly. And, like, and you're kind of pushing them out. I uh-huh. mean, you are pushing part of your inside, some, a baby that's been inside you out. And it's amazing. But your vagina just needs some attention after that. And a lot of success stories, even in the postpartum world, is just saying, I was able to walk a block with my baby and not have pain. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Um, I love that success story. One of my kind of in a, in a grouping set, my my patients who have pain with intercourse, I love when they come back and they said, I had pain with my, I had intercourse with my partner and it wasn't painful. And it's a big step. It's a huge step. And they can say, I was able to be penetrated. And I wasn't in fear of it. And mm-hmm. I, ex- I greeted the pain and I, and I knew how to manage it. I love that. Um, another really big world in pelvic PT is bowel and bladder function. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite success stories, because I treat all the peds at our clinic. I do all of our pediatric care. I had this young girl. She was so scared of pooping. Mm-hmm. So scared. And her parents couldn't figure it out. The doctors couldn't figure it out. Her counselors at school couldn't figure it out. I said, well, what are, what's, what's going on? She goes, well, a young boy told me that there's a clown in my bathroom. And if I stay there too long, he'll attack me. And I said, well, what makes you feel strong? What makes you feel brave? And it was a peregrine falcon. Oh. Mm-hmm. So we printed a picture of a peregrine falcon. We hung it in the bathroom. Next week, her dad came back and he's like, she poops every day. <laughs> and it was... And it was really awesome. It just and took someone like you to listen and exactly. ask the right questions and realize mm-hmm. like there's something more. It's not rocket than, science. Yeah. It's just peeling back the layers of all these symptoms and all this shame and trauma that comes along when we have dysfunctions going on in our reproductive and genital systems and say, what's really going on? Yeah. What's the root of this? Well, and so many clinicians that probably were in that process before you are mm-hmm. so uncomfortable mm-hmm. talking about anything that even remotely comes near your sexual organs. Yes. A hundred percent. That makes people really uncomfortable or they just kind of generalize and be like, Oh, well, let's just get, you're just constipated. Just take Miralax. That's mm-hmm. all it is. Mm-hmm. And this poor girl was scared of a fake clown jumping out of the shower oh. curtain. So we hung the Peregrine Falcon and her dad just said, no one took the time to listen. And that's oh. been as a clinician, one of my favorite stories just seeing this young girl get back to a normal, she just wants to be a kid. Yeah. And have a regular bowel movement and not be as scared of the clown. Yeah. And I think that can really translate to all other kind of patients. It's just like you said, getting to the depths of what's really going on. And pelvic, I think pelvic PT really gives us that luxury to sit and listen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so. That's mm-hmm. such a good story. Yeah. Oh, that poor kid. First off, but I know. Like, thank goodness she came and saw I hate you. clowns. Oh God, me too. And let alone <clears throat> one just jumping out of the shower curtain. I saw clips of it. From no. like, like when I was really young. Oh. I don't know how, but I saw a clip of like the one where Pennywise opens up the like drain hole in the shower and like comes out. I that was her oh, fear. Oh God. Yeah. yeah. I get it, kid. I yeah. get it. <laughs> She'll just get you a Peregrine Falcon. Perfect. That's <laughs> <laughs> well, and you, you touched on something there that hit a little close to home, which was mm-hmm. about the, the bladder incontinence. Yes. Um, yes. So I've, I've written about it. I've talked about it on my podcast before, but like 
I broke my tailbone a couple years ago. And then after that, I started experiencing some urge incontinence. Mm-hmm. And I was so embarrassed. I thought it was just because I was getting older. Mm-hmm. I wasn't really tying it to like, maybe there's, you know, hi, I broke my ass. Maybe there's some logistical issues going on there. Um, but I did have vaginal rejuvenation earlier this year. Mm-hmm. Thinking maybe we'll work with some of that, you know, get some of that tissue some inflamed. Tissue, and, yeah. and it helped a lot. Yeah. But I still have issues when I drink caffeine. Mm-hmm. It's the like, oh God, I got to go right now. Yep. Other than that, I don't really have any issues. But okay. then today, as I actually today was having an assessment um, mm-hmm. for my back to see where I'm at for, um, you know, I'm not permanently disabled, but I do still have some pain. So oh, yeah, you know, it was at work. So workers compensation, all that. But I'm telling her some of my issues. She's like, have you ever thought about having a, a visit with a pelvic floor therapist? And I was like, ha, funny you should mention that. I'm going home right after this to record She'll a podcast. She'll be here in an hour. Yeah, yeah. So you know, urge incontinence can help help people understand a little bit more about what causes that as opposed to just stress generalized incontinence. stress yeah. incontinence. So yeah, yeah kind of in the PT world, we think stress incontinence, urge incontinence, mixed incontinence. So stress incontinence is going to be a cough, laugh, sneeze, I pee. But it's also not limited to I transition from a sit to a stand, IP. You know, kind of any added stress on the body, the pelvic floor muscles aren't strong enough to kink off that urethra, and we have a little leakage drip out. Urge incontinence is a whole different beast in that when I have a patient come through with urge incontinence, my first thought is, what are your habits? What's your habit look like? Why is your bladder not capable of holding the necessary amount of urine? Why is it? kind of seeping out on you so kind of even with your scenario I think we had a broken tailbone broken tailbone typically means tight pelvic floor muscles because our pelvic floor muscles connects back to that coccyx and that sacrum so we think feed the chain forward it's going to make everything tight compressing on that bladder not allowing for full bladder capacity filling Mm -hmm. we then drink caffeine which is a bladder irritant Uh hits that bladder wall bladder says we don't want you in here get out you have a tight muscle that's not able to necessarily hold the urethra close we need it to, urine leaks out. Mm. So mm-hmm. urgent continence, another big thing is people think the key in the door syndrome. You know, I get home, I've been out, I put the key in the door and I immediately have to pee and <sighs> sometimes I can't hold it. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be the urgent continence. And with that, we just think, well, why have you trained your bladder that that's when you have to pee? And we treat them similar but different. Um, urge incontinence, we really delve into your habits. We make you fill out these awful bladder diaries, <sighs> which tell us what you're eating and drinking, when you're going, how much urine you're, are you expelling out. We really look at that, whereas stress incontinence, we still look at your habits, but we also look a lot more at your strength and the functional mobility of what you're doing and how to use your pelvic floor with that. And then mixed is the worst when you have both. Mm. And we treat just the whole gamut of hard habits making sure you're getting that full bladder capacity and using your pelvic floor, core, hips, and everything correctly. So there'd be some work to do if I come see you, but that's okay. There would be. (laughs) (laughs) But that's what we do. Well, hey, if this worker's compensation case works out, maybe I'll get the money to pay for all that stuff. (laughs) Perfect. Yeah, but my my insurance isn't so great, but, you know, it's worth it. It'd be worth it. So Mm -hmm. when I think about, I spent my young adulthood or young I should say I spent my childhood watching my poor mom would oh, struggle yeah. with the same thing 100 so percent part of it in my head just yep. like oh that's just part of aging that's just part of getting and older that or whatever is the one thing I hate hearing when people come through clinic is oh well I had a baby so it's totally normal that I'm peeing my pants or my mom had this so this is totally normal and I think especially in the midwestern con like kind of bible belt area 
we don't talk about our sexual function. Mm -hmm. We don't talk about our genitals. We don't. It's such a taboo subject, which has always baffled me because all of us have genitals. And all of us are here because of sex. Exactly. It's the most normal thing. But we're kind of almost shamed into saying, well, my mom dealt with it, so I'm going to have to deal with it. And she told me, this is just kind of how you deal with it. And um, that's not the case. Well, and you think about if if pelvic floor therapy has only been around for about 30 years. I mean, I'm 38. So, Mm -hmm. you know, that's been in my lifetime. Mm -hmm. So we have an entire generation before us who have no knowledge that there's help for them. Exactly. Have no understanding that that's not normal. Mm Mm-hmm. And so they didn't, they weren't able to pass it on to us because they just didn't have that. Exactly. I know. And it's crazy. I was, the book club that I'm a part of, uh, we met last night and all of us are talking about how our moms went through forced menopause in their early thirties and are now kind of cycling again through real menopause later in life. And I thought all of our moms had hysterectomies in their thirties. My mom did. That was the answer to so many pain symptoms was, let's just take it out. Mm Mm-hmm. And there's still a lot of that going on now, but I think luckily we're evolving and really learning. It doesn't have to be like that. You need your organs. Mm -hmm. Like organs are meant to be in the bodies. That's a hundred percent what they're there for. And I, it it dawned on me. I thought, man, that generation of women just, just take it out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And now there's hope for these women to not have history. I've had a girl as young as late twenties come in with a hysterectomy. And I thought, man. I have a dear friend of mine who, from what I recall her story, talking about her hysterectomy, she was having just constant, constant, constant pain. Mm -hmm. Like debilitating Mm -hmm. pain. And Mm -hmm. yeah, that was the solution. And sometimes that's an amazing solution. And sometimes that is what needs to happen. But luckily our providers are starting to realize, oh, there's therapists who deal with this. And not only deal with the physical aspect of it but the mental aspect of it I mean when women kind of have I always kind of say when you have men and women pain affecting your genitals it's bringing you down mentally Mm -hmm. it's such a different manifestation of pain and now we have team approaches that can help men and women handle all this organ pain that's affecting their genital and sexual health yeah we don't have to take it out and that's the best thing about it Mm-hmm. That's amazing. I had that never really crossed my mind mm-hmm. until you just said that. That maybe, yeah, a whole generation of women were yeah. done a disservice. And it's probably women who are late fifties to mid sixties. I bet such a high percentage of them don't have uteruses because at that era it was like, well, just take it out. You're done having babies. Mm-hmm. We'll just take this thing out. Yeah, my mom mm-hmm. had had two ectopics, so she didn't have fallopian tubes left. Oh man! So then it was just like, well, well, what's the point? Yeah, you don't need this anymore. Yeah. And, and you're having some pain, so yeah, sure. Yeah, we'll we'll just, just take it out. Just take it out. I think they left her ovaries, but mm-hmm. I mean, I just, oh, I, you know, I think back, like my mom had already had her hysterectomy by this point, by, by my age. Isn't that you crazy? Know? Yeah. Mine had, nope, she had, she was maybe one year out, because uh, I'm 33, I think she was 35 mm-hmm. when she had hers, and I just thought, why would you not keep your uterus? Yeah, this makes me want to go back and have a more in-depth conversation with her about some of the yeah. things she was experiencing. Exactly, and like I said, it just dawned on me last night sitting down with our book club and thinking all of our moms had hysterectomies. Why? Yeah, because that was that was the treatment then. Mm-hmm. Well, thank goodness, people right? Like you are around. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Well, I think people our age are taking um, 
a much more assertive approach to their own healthcare. They're Agreed. being their own medical advocates. Agreed. Sometimes it is because our parents went through some shit and they're like, well, you gotta, you know, don't let this happen to you. Exactly. Um, but ultimately, yeah, I think our generation is different. We're, we're obviously more researched. We've got the internet. Very true. Yep. Yep. Find we have which the is Google. a good and a bad thing. Agree. We have WebMD. Yes. But, you know, that's probably what's helping your industry take off is that, and same with mine. Oh, yeah. Is that there's such better information. When, you're, when you know how to look for the right information, there's such mm-hmm. better quality information out there to help people find folks like you and I. Agreed. Yeah. 100% agreed. Or even find just an OBGYN that's progressive and... Yeah. Man, there's a lot of them out there. This is something that I have studied with my coaching business. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when it comes to OBGYNs, it's only on average when a school, and there was a, it's like the American College of Obstetrics or whatever. ACOG. Yes. Mm-hmm. Looked at like 4,000 different practitioners and asked mm-hmm. them, what's the average amount of time that you talk about sexual health and well-being? Only 40% even addressed it. What? Yeah. Yeah. And only 27% would like follow up with anything. So if your patient said, yeah, things are not quite so good. They'd be like, okay, noted. Man. 27% of the time be like, okay, let's talk about it more. That's wild to me. Why They're are on you the not, front lines. Yeah. Why are we not associating reproductive genital organs with sexual function? Like they, I mean, they serve bowel bladder function, but it's also our sex organs. Mm-hmm. Why are we not talking about them? Yeah. And I think that even these people that are out there in the field, they're cognizant of we all need to go have good, healthy sex lives, mm-hmm. but no one's taking the ownership of being the people who are going to then help folks with exactly. it. Exactly. To okay. me, if you're going to be an OB-GYN, as you're saying, I can mm-hmm. see OB-GYN, but if you're going to be in that industry, you need to be thinking of a holistic approach. This is not just about looking at a cervix and seeing mm-hmm. if it's healthy, mm-hmm. doing a pap smear, mm-hmm. and then delivering a baby. Yeah. You know, is that woman having a healthy sex life? Is she safe at home? Is she fulfilled? Yeah. Is she enjoying it? Is she in pain? All of the above. And none of them are doing it. Agreed. And, and I think a lot of it, unfortunately, is, and this isn't to say this group, but I think a lot of people just think, well, that's not our problem, mm-hmm. especially insurance. Insurance denies a lot of our um, sexual dysfunction codes all the time. Really? So we've had to learn how to kind of code our therapy or, notes mm-hmm. specifically to where because if i put dyspruny or vaginismus on an aval certain insurance look at it and say we don't have to pay for that that's not our problem mm-hmm. mm. so it's really interesting and it might not be your problem so find the clinician that's the problem that they want to help with mm-hmm. and i think i think it's slowly evolving i think we're slowly seeing more therapists say therapists clinicians say I don't know if I'm comfortable with this but I know someone who is Mm -hmm. in doing that but yeah a lot of clinicians just don't want to talk about it I I get that there's probably some fear in their part they don't want Mm -hmm. to offend somebody because so many people are closed off to talk about I mean it's just it's our society in general very true right that we Mm -hmm. just a lot of people have closed bedroom doors yeah some of us have open bedroom doors very true that's how I am (laughs) What's the future hold for you, Kelsey? What's what's your goal for yourself? So goal for myself, I definitely I love where I'm at. I love our clinic foundational concepts. When I moved back to Kansas City seven years ago, it was the clinic I knew I wanted to be at. Um, I had to go through some other clinics to get there, and I'm glad I did. And now I'm here. I love it. I love watching us grow. 
And I love seeing how we're going to build. We just opened up a satellite spot in Lawrence. Oh, very cool. I'm excited to see the business kind of grow a little bit more because as of right now, we are one of the few specific pelvic floor rehab clinics, meaning you come to us, that's what we do. Mm -hmm. We do pelvic PT. We're versed in all other aspects of PT. We're really lucky that we have clinicians that are skilled in TMJ. We have clinicians that are skilled in ortho. Mm -hmm. We have clinicians that are skilled in lymphedema. So just because we're pelvic, we're not limited to that. We can see pretty much everything. Mm -hmm. But seeing us grow in that regard is really exciting. Me personally, I'm really excited to just keep plugging along in the pelvic PT world. I'd like to start getting a little bit more active with athletes in pelvic PT. Being an athlete and triathlete myself, triathlete myself, I'm really interested in that world and kind of delving more into functional mobility and how our pelvic floor is tying into that mm-hmm. um, with movement. Because we have a lot of patients who are marathon runners and they're like, I pee at mile 16. I'm like, you shouldn't. Yeah. But working with that or, or even our moms who, I had a gal come in this week. Um, she's a marathoner. She just had her baby seven weeks ago, qualified for Boston. While she was, I think, two to three weeks pregnant, mm-hmm. she was running Boston in April. Mm-hmm. And she said, I want to do this right. Mm-hmm. And I thought, mm-hmm. man, I'm so happy to be a part of her journey. So, oh, that's so cool. I'm excited to see my clinical skills kind of almost step back a little bit into more of the ortho world and really start working a little bit more with athletes in pelvic health. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. gotcha. And cyclists. I love working with cyclists. Cyclists are a different breed of people, <laughs> and I want to kind of get into that world too because cycling causes a lot of pelvic problems. I bet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh so my yeah, gosh. yeah. Well, and like I said at the beginning, we met at the Trans Day Visibility. Yes, and that's yeah. something that within that world they understand they need pelvic floor health. Mm-hmm. But you know, tell me a little bit more about what your work is like with trans patients. So our work with trans patients, we're one of the few clinics that KU sends their post-surgical male to female patients to. Working with them has been one of the most exciting, terrifying, just very emotional part of kind of all demographics I've worked with. Um, I remember my first trans patient, I thought, (gasps) how do I handle this? What Mm -hmm. do I do? I don't know what. And then I thought, treat them like a person. Like that's exactly, that's what they are. They're people with dysfunctions that I treat every day. Mm -hmm. And, um, so we work in their case, they're needing to learn how to manage manage their whole new Mm -hmm. body. Yeah. Um, and I just, so kind of what we do in our clinic working with them is we teach them dilator training. Mm-hmm. So male to female have a whole new vaginal vagina reconstructed for them. And they have to learn if you want to use this for penetration, got to keep it open. Mm-hmm. And one of the first questions I have to ask all my trans patients is what's, what's your goal for the, with your new vagina? And some patients say, I just wanted this. This is what I needed for my life. This is what I needed for myself. It doesn't matter if it's penetrated or not. Mm-hmm. And then I have patients that say, I want to have sex. Mm-hmm. And that might be sex with a man. That might be sex with a woman. That might be sex with whomever. Half the time they don't know. And it's fun to kind of mm-hmm. navigate those waters with them and see how they're, what they're going to, what they're going to be open to. It's mm-hmm. so exciting. But working with them 
has just been awesome and teaching them how their pelvic floor works because being a man previously, they didn't know anything about their pelvic floor. They had no idea and they had no idea that you can lengthen that pelvic floor down to allow for a more relaxed penetration Mm -hmm. and teaching them that with their dilators. I have one gal that saw me for a bit and she's like, I had no idea that Mm -hmm. if I just breathe this way, I can get that dilator further Mm -hmm. and just seeing how happy she was and her recovery was just awesome. It was, like I said, that demographic has been one of the most enlightening groups I've ever worked with and I love it. It's fascinating. They need you. They They do. And we need them. We need them to teach us and educate us on creating safe space and Mm -hmm. working with them. Because I think a lot of times, especially when you go to the Trans Day of Visibilities, you know, I kind of have my blinders on to my world that everyone's accepted, everyone's nice, everyone's Mm -hmm. kind. It's easy to feel that way when you're in that room. Yeah. Yeah. And then when you go to these events you really kind of see what they have to go through. And I've had a couple meetings with groups of the trans community and I say, how do we create safe spaces? Mm -hmm. And just being educated has been a really enjoyable part of my clinical work because it translates across trans, straight, gay, just making sure you're always making sure people are comfortable. Mm -hmm. And especially in how personal our world of therapy is, that's important across all the oh, graphics. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Everyone's got to feel safe and warm and welcome and that they're going to be taken care of. Exactly. There. And I can imagine that's so important for someone that's just gone through their their bottom surgery from yeah. male to female that you're one of the first people that mm-hmm. they're working with after their surgery who's seeing their genitals. Yeah. And like you say, helping them learn what it's all about. Because mm-hmm. it's one thing to have the surgery and it's another thing to then recover. Oh, gosh. Feel yeah. it do all those things and so I'm so happy that they have someone like you that they can have that support for we are too yeah that's amazing and Mm -hmm. KU is one of the largest programs in the country is it not for for I know transgender surgery I definitely know regionally they are Mm -hmm. country I'm not sure okay um I know Texas has a big one for some reason I want to say Arizona but I'm not 100% sure but in our area yeah we're the biggest and it's awesome to see what they're doing Dr. Meredith Gray heads the uh, program over there and she's awesome she's excited about what they're doing and it's just it's cool to see it grow and change and yeah the patients are just awesome and they they, it's been fun to learn Mm -hmm. with them because it just makes me a better clinician and a better person which is awesome yeah. We all need more of that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You should come to a gay and lesbian chamber event with me sometime. Do some networking. There's you, a lot of, you've, you've talked may, about you it before. see some people there that you've helped before. Yeah, I know every time we sit down, you always mention it, and I just need to get it on the calendar and do it one of these days. Because I know our clinic, everyone in, individually at our clinic would love it. And it's a blast. Yeah. It's a big party. It's a lot of fun. Of course. Yeah. Well, um, we are at 49 minutes, which is a pretty good length. Okay. So is there anything that you wanted to cover that we haven't yet? I want my cards read. Okay. We'll read your cards here. So I'm just going to shuffle this up like three times. Perfect. And then I'll let you cut the deck. Okay. Just, just cut it wherever you like. Okay. Set it down. Mm-hmm. Put that back on top. Perfect. Let's do that one. Ooh. You got. I'm so nervous, excited. The lovers. Oh, wow. 
cards. Yes, the lovers. Okay, so describe your card for everyone. So the card I'm looking right now, it's a woman with her bare backside sitting on what looks like a canvas, sitting with her front side facing a gentleman who is looking to be painting her. Looks like she's also been whipped and flogged on her back and so her legs. So I didn't want to mention the red, but at first I thought, ooh, she does have some markings on her. And she's got a rope on her wrist too. Oh, I didn't see that at all. Looks like she just got done being tied up. So I took the nice approach to this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so The Lovers is about emotion, empathy, choice, connection, mm -hmm. affection, and generosity. Ah, so it's a communicative card. So the lovers is um, from the major arcana. So it's one of the, the bigger cards. Um, but yeah, the lovers, that's a beautiful card. It is. You're helping people be yeah. better lovers. Get and back to their lovers. And the establishing empathy and mm -hmm. connection with me and my patients and with them and their partners. There you go. I like it. That's your card. Love it. <laughs> Well, Kelsey, thank you so much. Again, tell our listeners how they can get a hold of you. And so I'll have you, stuff in the show notes yeah, too. But. You guys can look us up on foundational concepts. It's either .net or .com. I should know that. I'm going to apologize now. I think to you're the, .net from what I recall too. Yeah, yeah. I know our emails are. Um, but Google foundational concepts. You can reach out to us via email. We have just a general email on there about the clinic if you're inquiring about any services. You can look us up on Instagram at Pelvic Chronicles and check us out on Facebook at Foundational Concepts. Perfect. Well, thank you again so much thank for you being so much on for my having podcast. Me. Thank you. Thank you. This the was a blast. The listeners that keep them coming needed to hear from you. Awesome. So, awesome. Right. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you, Kristen. Thanks for listening to Keep Them Coming with Open the Doors Coaching. Please rate, subscribe, and share this podcast. And check the show notes for stuff we discussed in the episode. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, but visit my website if you want more information about me and my coaching services. You can join my not safe for work email list called the Dirty Bird if you want more content about sex and relationships. You can support said content, like my work with this podcast and other forms of media, by visiting listener support with Anchor FM or visit patreon.com to become one of my patrons. Again, check the show notes. I have links for you there. My theme song is original music by M. Kusa. Until next time.